Oh my God, Patrick Wine just followed me on Instagram. Hey, Patrick, friend of the po- oh, podcast. There's an He's Easter ready for the egg. outfits this year. Let's go. <laughs> he should come on the pod and talk about his cooking. Did you see the closed. Fantilli quote with oh, the yeah. heat air fried oh, steak? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> and it's one so minute right. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Too Many Men podcast. My name is Allison Lucan, and I am delighted to be joined by the person that, if they so chose, I think is a shoe in for the job application for Taylor Swift beat writer. We're going to get into that. And that is the incomparable, stunning, amazing Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you? Oh, I've missed this podcast and your intros really puts a pep in my step. I am good. I did not apply for the Taylor Swift job, but we will get into that later. Okay, we'll allow it. Because also, you know, as oftentimes those we cover don't love us. And so this way we can just keep the reciprocated love from you've met her. You're the only one of the pod to have actually met Taylor Swift. It's it's your elite status. And we would not be. She smelled like heaven. We would not be too many men if we did not have one of the smartest writers around who's churning out thousands and thousands of words a minute on why she loves or hates your favorite team. That's right. (laughs) One of the authors of the intense series of The Athletic season previews that are going out right now. She knows it all. The Athletics, Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I speak when I'm told to speak. I've learned. Come on. You have never followed directions (laughs) in this show's lifetime. (laughs) The only direction, and then it's off the rails. (laughs) All right. Well, first of all, shout out. New season, new me. Shout out to the haters who did the old prime, tell us you don't listen to the podcast by saying you don't listen to the podcast, who all decided that we were barstool apologists and uh, (laughs) fans apparently after last week's episode, which again, listen, folks, we're not even taking the bait because you just look like morons because you've not listened to our show um, because we are not and we don't care for barstool one iota one bit, but we're here to talk some hockey things and that means we start as always with sarah sivian's favorite segment and i did mention to piper that might she help us with some sound effects sarah what time is it time for bit of news (laughs) (laughs) time for bit o news well let's start with something close to your heart and actual geography sarah and that is we didn't catch we didn't touch on this last week but boston with the departure of Patrice Bergeron has named their newest captain and in elite form. And and I personally, I'm here for this. They have decided to name Brad Marchand, the newest captain of the Boston Bruins. Sarah, what did you make of this news when you saw it? I thought it was a no brainer and I forgot that other people don't think that. Um, I just, obviously I've been around the Bruins for years in different capacities. And when I first started my career and I just remember Marchand was in it's Marchand and Marchand. He says both are fine, but I wish he'd pick one, but (laughs) I've seen him every like game I'm at. It feels like he is doing like the charity event with a kid and bringing them around the rink. And of course he is a great shit talker. And I think that's actually captainly. Like I'd love Matt Kachuk to be a captain one day. I, I think he is a no brainer in a way that I think Charlie McAvoy's next, but it would be too much right now. Or maybe because me and Charlie are kind of the same age. I don't want to grow up and be the captain. I do think Marchand ha- has had the closest relationships with Bergeron and Chara. And he's the last other than Lou Cheech now to be from that era and I think it would be so weird if he was on the team and not a captain Dana this all came out on social in delightful form we had already seen some videos of Marchand showing off some new jerseys and just giving that typical snark and side eye and and he just loving every second of it do you like this move for the Bruins yeah I know like last week I think I killed the veteran captain but here's one of the rare circumstances where 
it makes all the sense in the world. Like here it is, the Rat King captain, everything about it. He is one of the faces of the franchise. It, that's undeniable at this point, right? He he is one of like those pillars of the team. It makes sense. I think McAvoy is the perfect option. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's a problem that they have someone in between. Like if you're okay having short tenures for captaincy, why not? Especially because they had Bergeron for so long. Well, no, not that long, but Char yeah. for so long before that. Like it makes sense. Like here's the stepping stones. It isn't, works. And like, I think it's, just, isn't that so, funny though, that like, it feels like Bergeron was the captain forever, yeah. but it was actually Chara. He was like the de facto captain in so many ways. I feel like yeah. every time, yeah. you know, and maybe it's because he was one of the best players and you knew him from all the off ice stuff too, all the charity work, everything you expect from a captain, like that's Patrice Bergeron. He exudes it all. And now you have someone who looks <laughs> like the polar opposite, but like, you know, real ones know, like he does all the right things too. You know, he's, He's someone with the personality that we always, you know, say the league needs more of. Here it is. And I think it's just going to make for like really funny circumstances too. Some people are like, oh, what's going to happen when the captain should be the one talking to the refs because the player's in the box and he's the one in the box. Like bring the chaos. Why not? I want to see him and Brady Kachuk going head to head. This like rivalry Mm -hmm. of Ottawa, Boston, you know, up and coming captains who just talk shit and get in each other's face and Marshan versus Kachuk, who obviously isn't the captain of Florida, but is one of that leadership group. Like, I think it just makes for good content. It makes for entertaining hockey. And isn't that what we're all begging for from this boring ass league? People also forget he's really fucking good. And he started out in the AHL trying to be a fourth line grinder and came into, I I just think it's the perfect captain for a situation where you don't know how this is going to play out with the Bruins this season and you're ushering in maybe an unknown generation yeah I I like it and and I at the end of the day I'm a Marchand fan I I here's here's where it differentiates for me I'm here for the snark I'm here for the trash talking I'm here for the chirping what I hate is because he is a good player and I hate like back in the day like he steps on cam atkinson's stick and breaks it right before the face off like let's there's a line for me that you are like actually like beat a player at their best right and you can chirp and all that stuff but it's some of the garbage stuff that i don't love but i'm here for the move i like it and i i love this particularly as boston is going to go through some different times and we'll talk about that here in a little bit but it's kind of a new era if you will for boston in some ways so it's i think he's a really good leader to keep the personality high, the energy high, the confidence high as things kind of change over there. All right, let's move on. Um, Yesterday, well, actually in the last two days, um, we've had some news and this is really super exciting. Um, For the first time, we believe, because I'll tell you the backstory to this in a second, um, there have been two women behind an NHL bench in a true coaching capacity. Now, to be clear, I was involved in part of breaking some of this news. So Ooh. we do <laughs> we do know that women have been behind the bench in regular season as trainers and in other capacities, but there has not been, as far as we know, a woman behind the bench as a coach. And eggs on you, because we reached out to the NHL and we were like, has there ever been a woman behind the bench in the preseason? They're like, oh, we don't really know. We don't keep track of that in the preseason. And then- Thanks, NHL. And then everything started to come up and more names came out. And that's awesome. Listen, I, I'm not sitting here to say, like, I was happy to hear that saying that um, Jessica Campbell was not, in fact, the first woman behind the bench. That's fantastic. But let's break this down. So Jessica Campbell, who is the assistant coach for the Coachella Valley Firebirds, which is the AHL affiliate for the Seattle Kraken, uh, served behind the Kraken bench at their home exhibition game on Monday. And then two days prior, Sunday, two days prior to our recording here, Corey Chevery, who is the head coach of the PWHL's Montreal team, they have not, of course, announced their team name yet, um, who has been with the Penguins in kind of a mentorship role. She's done some work as a trainer for that team. She was behind the Penguins bench as a guest coach. So there is a little bit of a difference there. Um One is a little bit more of a traditional path. We see this all the time that NHL organizations put their AHL coaches behind the bench. And for Corey, this is more of a, you know, get get this experience, even though you're not affiliated with the organization proper. Both are amazing. Both are super cool. Um, I think it's really, really awesome. Um, Shana, as this all started to come out and it was fun, even when my my first announcement said we thought Jessica was the first, even people who were saying, no, no, Corey did it. It was all positive. It was all like, this is cool. Like, no, 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 look, there was another one. There wasn't like, you're wrong, you suck Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So 
I love that. Shane, what was your reaction as you saw this news start to break? Yeah, I love that the reaction is positive and it's not, oh, why is she there? Oh, she's not qualified and all of that bullshit that like we constantly hear. I love that it's like, wait, no, there's more. There's more. There's not just one woman. The NHL looking home. Hey, we know one woman. Like it's it's historic regardless, you know, whichever path the coach takes. And it's so exciting because Jessica Campbell feels like it's just a rising star in the coaching ranks. And we love to see that, you know, she's proven very capable. We look at what Coach Ella did last year. And with Corey Chevry, like, it's super exciting. I think the Penguins have done such a good job elevating women and highlighting women's hockey, mm -hmm. whether it's yes. hosting games like the Rivalry Series or, you know, hiring women in these, like, important organizational roles. Like, I love everything about that. It feels like they're the perfect market to eventually expand to for the PWHL. And here's someone who is legitimately a coach for one of these up-and-coming teams. Like, it's just all exciting. And it's going to be great to see you know, more of a ground for coach women coaches to come up the ranks too, because we know women's teams are going to be more likely to hire women than men's teams because men's teams are stupid and in the past and they need to grow. Uh, but it's going to be super exciting. Like as the coaching pool grows, you see someone thrive elsewhere. You might go, you know what, maybe it can work at the AHL. And as long as the paths are still open for everybody to join, whether you have to put in the work and climb the ranks, like something like Jessica Campbell is doing right now, like that's fine. That's what we expect for everybody. Um, It'll be nice to see a day where there's eventually more than 35 head coaches to fill 32 NHL slots. And I was I obviously had the um, pleasure of being in the postgame av availability with Coach Campbell. And it was really cool, too, to see that the majority of the questions were focused on the same kind of questions you you would ask if that coach was a man. It wasn't, oh, look at you. Look at the girl. I mean, of course, there were a couple <laughs> of those. And, and I get that because it, it's a momentous moment. But it was really cool to just see people treat her like a coach. Sarah, what did you think of seeing these opportunities extended um, for the first time as far as we think? Um, still not regular season, but in the preseason to getting people other than men behind an NHL bench. I love that so many pause, and I've talked about this a few times, as negative and as much as we have lengths to go, there have been so many positive developments in women's hockey and women getting opportunities, and you can't do it all in one day. So it just, it felt kind of natural in an amazing way that was like, oh yeah, of course, Jessica Campbell's going to do that, right? Like she deserves to do that. And that is the natural progression. But I got a real big kick out of Corey and Jessica are really good friends. And I've hung out with them before. And I just absolutely think they are great people and like so brilliant. And it's a no brainer that either of them would be in these positions for me. And I, and I am so excited to see their careers grow and that I can be like, oh, I knew them when <laughs> but like I because it's all about me obviously how does this affect the Leafs how does this affect me sitting here and being at the draft but I love it for them and I think I would trust them to usher in more women and just like represent us so perfectly and I'm so excited yeah it was really cool and I think it was really cool too for coach Campbell to see because obviously as, as we've mentioned she's coached a lot of these players who were in the Kraken training camp in Coachella and for her to see them kind of taking the next step towards their dreams while she's doing the same I loved um, she posted on Instagram last night a picture of her on the bench and she just captioned it oh. with to the young girls who need to hear it you can and you will and I thought um, that was amazing um, Good on both of these wonderful individuals just pushing and changing the way that we see the game. Um, our last bit of news may not be hockey focused, but my friends, the world does not revolve around hockey. The world revolves around Taylor Swift. Sarah had to take a moment. She had to internalize that spiritually. <laughs> friends, friends, and I, look, we could spend an hour on this. We're not going to, but there's a lot to unpack here. So Taylor on Sunday went to the Kansas City Chiefs game um, with, um, which Kelsey is it? I don't even pay attention to this. Travis. Travis. Travis to trap with, and apparently was hanging out <laughs> with, Tra I know there's two, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Um, no, it's fine. It's funny. Uh, went, uh, went out and spent an evening reportedly to dinner with a group. Um, Travis rented out a restaurant. And they hung out and the world has lost their mind. I will say from a Taylor perspective, it is surprising, Taylor. literally no judgment for her to be so public when she has usually not been public about her relationships. Because she has an actually famous boyfriend after the last loser. Famous <laughs> <laughs> people don't have to date famous people. That's not a rule. I, I'm all 
for her dating a little normie like us. That's great and wonderful. Go off, Taylor. But I do find it funny because the last one you're like, well, he's famous. And I'm like, yeah, bullshit. He's Taylor. He boyfriend. was famous. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about Joe or Maddie? They're both famous. I don't even know. Who's Maddie? <laughs> Who's Maddie? Maddie anyway, was a 1975 lead singer. Oh, yeah. That doesn't count. True. It doesn't count. <laughs> Anyway, um, so I was surprised that she did it so publicly. And I was also, um, I found it delightful that uh, so many women were just showing, they were like, I don't understand what football is. I don't know what what's going to happen here, but explain it to me because I'm hanging out with it. And I have to find very quickly because this cracked me up because there were some people who were giving women shit for trying to understand football, which is not a crime. Giving they women shit? There were Taylor Swift like fan accounts. I saw one being like, okay, quick recap. This is what you need to well, know. Exactly. And giving like one tweet's worth of the quick hit rules. And I'm sure those like women who are now getting into those Taylor Swift fans, forget about it. Not just women, Taylor Swift fans who are getting into football as a result are going to know it better than some of the losers at home well, watching it and living so, and dying with their favorite teams. I probably don't know all the complexities of football anyway. Well, so listen, so this is this is what I'll read and then we'll get to our actual, now my whole thing just screwed up because I was laughing so hard. Uh, this was a great tweet that I retweeted uh, last night um, from Chris Brown at Smart Football. Um, he was quote tweeting someone saying, the thing about Swifties and research is that they'll go from this, which is not knowing a lot about the game, to talking like smart football in 72 hours. And smart football quote tweeted and said, the Swifties solved 33 million puzzles in less than 24 hours just to get the 1989 vault track list. They will be drawing up intricate tactics designed to get Kelsey open against Red 7 coverage by this Thursday. Oh my God, that is incredible. But but my question is, and I'm going to go to you first, Sarah, because I know you have something to say similar to my mini rant which is which NHLer would it be funniest to see her date? Because she has hung out with like everyone's like, what if she came to an NHL game? People, she has. Sarah, the floor is yours. Well, she actually didn't. That was the Red Tour, and Jeff Skinner was such a big fan that he asked the Hurricanes PR um, to meet her and like set them up. Got it. And now this picture is circulating, and it has like a million likes on TikTok. It popped up on my thing. I'm like, that's the Jeff Skinner Taylor Swift picture that I know. And she's holding up a Jeff Skinner jersey, but somebody photoshopped it to have Travis Kelsey's number and color on it. But you can tell it's a hockey jersey because it's long sleeve. Like, hello, people, please. But it's just the Swifties don't know, and they're going crazy, and they're like, this is the invisible string, and. Jeff also has like a wood, a shirt of like trees in the woods on. And people are like, oh my God, how did he predict full core? Who is this man? They think he's like a hot, the Swifties think Jeff Skinner is like some all knowing hobbit. And like, he just was at the red tour and he was the one that was his Jersey. And people are like, oh my God, did he set them up? Like he's, they're thinking it's Travis Kelsey's friend or something or like some wise man. And it's literally Jeff Skinner being like, I have a crush on Taylor Swift, but that was just hilarious. And the comments, like I've had, I was like in the TikTok comments with my anonymous account being like, guys, this is NHL player, Jeff Skinner. So obviously that Gary should get on that because I think that would be great marketing for the NHL. But of course, Jack Hughes would be the funniest. Remember when we were in Miami interviewing him and he was like, I don't have a favorite Taylor Swift song, but um, she's always playing at the club. So the pick. I, I, I hesitate to even ask you this question. Who would be the funniest? I have an answer. I'm fucking ready to rip. Let's go. It's Matthew Kachuk. The whole world was thirsting after him in the playoffs. He became a superstar, the face of the NHL. We love Matthew Kachuk, but this is what we really need. Matthew Kachuk to go on a nice playoff run and Brady Kachuk ripping it up in the stands with Taylor Swift, a bunch of uh, Budweiser's in his pocket, one for Taylor, of course, because he's a gentleman. And then afterwards, when Matthew wins, they're going to go to a bar and scream Mr. Brightside together. It's going to be like the new bestie duo we never knew we needed. And she's just going to be a part of the Kachuk clan. That is what we need. He's the only one with enough personality to handle the spotlight like this. So please, Taylor. After, if things don't work out with Travis, call Matthew. I think Brady had a good answer, actually, when we asked him his favorite Taylor Swift song. He was like, I love Taylor Swift. So you know what? You might be onto something. (laughs) There we go. I I didn't go funniest. I have to give a shout out to Riker Evans, who's a defender. Wait, were you disappointed by my answer? Did I deliver how you were? No, you delivered. I'm just mad because 
I fought me and Matthew Kachuk or something, but we're not. So. <laughs> I, I, I'm going on a sweeter angle where I think it would be a lovely little pairing is Riker Evans, who's in the Kraken organization, because I asked all the guys during media day what their favorite Taylor Swift song was. And of course, you get a bunch of like 22 and love story. And that's totally cool. Listen, we do not judge the people. You, not everyone has to love all Taylor Swift. We still accept Shayna after all. But <laughs> Riker I have Evans. Her on my playlist. I have her on my playlist now, okay? Because we forced this upon you. But we're, we're happy. Yeah, but even my you. friends were like, no, wait, this is Taylor. We like this. We were that's good. Fuck, what's the one? Love song? No. Love story. <laughs> Love story. Love story. Love story and style. Yes. They were like, oh, wait, this is Taylor. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, I like these songs. Here we go. Anyway. So anyway, go. A a lot of the Kraken players were saying, of course, love story of 22, or they don't listen to her, which is again, totally fine. But Riker was being pretty straight laced through our interview. And then I asked him if he, he's like, oh yeah, I like Taylor Swift. And I said, what's your favorite song? And he said, sparks fly which is not a common answer, which shows he does listen to Taylor Swift. And then as he was walking out, I said, Riker, I'm like, this is awesome. Like, that's the best answer we've gotten so far today. And he was like vehement and like enthusiastic. But he's like, no one talks about Sparks Fly. And he really <laughs> wanted that song to get its due. So that would be Speak my now supremacy. <laughs> I've never, I've never even heard that name. Like I, I've, I have no idea. Well, shame on you. Shame on you. Go listen you to it. You gotta listen to that one. It's a good one. It's a good one. Don't push me. I'm going at a slow <laughs> pace. You want to talk Olivia Rodrigo? Let, let's go. You want to talk about Dua Lipa? I'm game. I can handle, like, pop music. I just don't listen to her as much. We're, it's a That's slow fair. build. It's okay. It's all right. We'll move on. We, Shayna's put up with us enough. We appreciate her, her patience <laughs> and tolerance. Shayna, it's time for our other favorite segment, what do we need to talk about now? How does it affect the Leafs? That's right. We it affect- really should have had a Leaf picked for Taylor. Damn. Maybe William Nylander would be cute because he has style. <laughs> the little head dot. No, I love a Swedish boy. <laughs> doesn't it doesn't roll off the tongue as easily, does it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's talk about our Swedish boy. Um there was, it is time for How Does This Affect the Leafs? Uh, get your merch in our merch store. Um, William Nylander, there was, and I have, we have talked about this a little bit. I took some personal space away from hockey this off season, which was really good and awesome and wonderful. But I kind of missed, I mean, obviously, and we'll get into this too with Austin Matthews signing a contract extension, but obviously there's going to be a money squeeze. There is a money squeeze in Toronto, but I missed when the big narrative became trading William Nylander. Um, he is still with the team. And what is more curious to me, though, however, is that they have him playing center. And some might say that makes him a more valuable player when it is time to give him his new contract. Some are, you know, is this, you know, because uh, Tavares is getting older, who's to say what's going on, but they're not even on the same line, at least last I saw. So William Nylander, still a Leaf, and playing arguably one of the most valuable roles on the team, which is down the middle 200-foot responsibility. Shayna, what say you? I mean, I don't think that they should ever trade William Nylander, but I feel like he is always the odd man out when you talk about the Leafs. And, you know, like some people will bring up like the Marner contract as, hey, well, this was already a weight on the salary cap and whatever, and try to pick out the flaws in his game. But I feel like it always turns back to Nylander and it shouldn't. Um, I understand like the situation of well Nylander's represented by the same agent who Johnny Gaudreau was and you know Johnny Gaudreau walked away from Bradtree living so and it left the team in the lurch things like that but it feels like Nylander has always been super valuable good like I don't want to call him a utility player because I feel like we always kind of think of more of like a third liner in that kind of capacity yeah Blake Coleman but it feels like he's someone that they can slot anywhere and he just works and he'll be that spark on a line and this is another example of it it does seem like the Leafs need a little bit of help down the middle. They were looking, I think, for a 2C to move Tavares to wing to better preserve his game. And when they didn't get that, now this is another option. I wonder how it's going to shake out. Like, do they want, are they going to like spread out the ice time a little bit more between lines two and three? Like, are we going to see like a Vegas approach in that? Or do we just see like three scoring lines and everybody goes, this is great and wonderful and amazing? Or does he not stick there at all? But it just feels like if he can add another level of value to the super, super, super high value that he already has. It's going to make this an even tougher conversation of does he need to go? Because 
it just seems like it'll be it'll be a mistake if you're trading the best player out in a trade usually you don't win the deal and I don't see how anyone's gonna really like bring someone back of as high a value right Sarah, uh, to that point, exactly. That's what that was going to be my question to you is you have a player that it's rumored you can't keep around. And so you put him in a position where if he succeeds, he's going to cost even more. Uh, what do you think of this specific usage and strategy from management and coaching when it comes to William Nylander right now? I do think, and I know you guys would agree with me because of the positionless hockey talk that you have so brilliantly ushered into our lexicon. But I, I think we really overrate the importance of positions. And a lot of the times we as commentators or fans do it to sound smart and to have talking points. But I do think the more, and you see Kale McCarr on defense, for example, things like this, it's like the more you see offense being higher valued in points in, in this era, the more it really does become like people can play different positions. And I think, I remember Rod Brindamore said to me once, if you are going to play in the NHL, you have to know how to play on your left side or your right side. And that's why he'd switch people on defense. And it's the same with, I don't know, Tyler Sagan starting out on the wing and moving to the center, Martin Natchez doing the same exact thing and maybe not even getting to center ever. But it's kind of like, I remember going to the AHL and asking Natchez, like, why, like, are you kind of relieved that you get to play on the wing? And he's like, no, I actually prefer playing the center. And there's a lot of situations where guys actually do like having more control. And I do think at a certain point, yes, he could be earning more money in this position, but you have, especially with a Leafs team that suddenly, that will never not have pressure, I guess, you gotta do what's right for the team. And I think it does make sense in the situation. You guys, Taylor Swift should date Kale McCarr. Oh my God. <laughs> I'd be here for that. Alberta era. <laughs> That's fine. Sure. Okay. okay. No, Nat the minute you said that name, I thought about that already, but the, the, they could not mesh musically. So what? Oh, true. It's gonna, that, that, it just brings a little more versatility to the playlist. We'll see. We'll Virgo see. Sagittarius doesn't, doesn't match, but the hardworking <laughs> nature does. All right. Well, let's stick with the leaves here too. I just, it came to me when Sarah mentioned his name. Um, but I like that argument a lot, Sarah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Is it's, is it interesting that this could change the way that, continue to try and change the way we think about positions in hockey. And speaking of changing landscapes, um, part of why there was conversation about William Nylander and what's going to happen in terms is where do you find the money for a player who's already as valuable as he is because his teammate, Austin Matthews, there was a lot of debate. Is he going to leave? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Um, signed a four-year, $53 million contract extension with the Leafs during the offseason. That is a $13.25 million annual cap hit. That makes him the highest paid player in the league. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't I'm a big fan of we look at percentage of the cap when the contract was signed, right? Because inevitably someone's always mm -hmm. going to become the next. We're not all going to get paid the same as when someone else signed their deal. Everything inflates. Everything is a percentage of the cap. But here we are, Austin Matthews, currently highest paid player. Um, I don't even know if I want to ask, is that right that he should be the highest paid? But what do you make of the deal, Shana? You are one of the smartest minds when it comes to the financial aspect of professional sports. I'm with you. I love the podcast being back. This is so good. My ego is just getting <laughs> huge. Um, the Matthews contract is kind of like, it's interesting in like all different levels for me because I'm a big fan of you pay your stars and you build a team around that and you can find entry-level talent and depth players and under the radar picks to kind of fill out the supporting cast so you can afford to play this way. I feel like he could have pushed for more money. And I know people are so quick to be like, well, what has he done to win? And he shouldn't make more than Nathan McKinnon because he has, doesn't have a Stanley Cup. Like, I don't care about that. He's a total star. And I think he's such an important part of this franchise that you kind of have to just go with it and give him what he's due. Uh, but what I really like about the contract is the term. I think that these big, long contracts are often mistakes either for the team or for the player. If you go for someone in 100%. free agency, you're probably overpaying someone's come in right you're giving them too much term too much money and it's usually someone who's second tier because top tier players don't often make it to you know free agency the johnny gaudreau's and the our team of panarins of the world are the exception not the rule so if it's not the team's mistake it could be the player's mistake 
they go for a deal that's team friendly. They go for this eight by eight deal to save the team and make life easier for them when they shouldn't have to. If you're a good general manager, you're going to find a way around that. So the four-year term, I think is smart here because we don't know how much the cap's going to grow. You don't want to sell yourself short. Your career lasts only so long. And the element I truly love of it is that deal comes up a year after Connor McDavid's does. So it's going to set the new bar for what an elite 1C is worth just after Nathan McKinnon did it. So I think that's really smart by Matthews and his representation to figure out a way to maximize his earnings in his career. Like I know everyone's so quick to be like, oh, but that's selfish. You play for what, 10, 15 years? Like let him be. Sarah, what say you? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think he had a bad year last year that he is going to absolutely bounce back from now that he seems to be in the clear injury wise and just in, in general. And I think you're so right, Allison, about the context of things. First of all, like this, the cap percentage, second of all, just how the cap is expected to rise in the next few years. Third of all, there's new management and the term is obviously the most important thing when we talk about the, where the Leafs are at as a franchise and what's going to be next. This leaves him time to maybe move on and go somewhere else and still I don't know I like it for him and I do kind of like it for them I just think like obviously they had to pay him and the timing of this stuff can be so important which is why I do think a team like the Devils or a team like the Hurricanes are really smart with the way they have and maybe it's a little luck too but the way they've just designed their rosters knowing everything was ahead I don't think the Leafs were always the smartest about the way they constructed their roster. And we all like, we all know that. So let's hope he has a good year. And for them too, right. It was different managers taking this on too right. at different points. You had, yeah. you know, like the Lamorella or then it's the Dubas era and then it's the Shanahan era. And I think mm -hmm. that it's like a little bit of a crink in it versus some other teams that kind of have that consistency you know, like sometimes we see it, there's a rebuilding management group. Sometimes we see it, there's the up and coming and the contender management group. And then there's a new, you know, voice to turn the process around or something. So for the Leafs, like we've seen each component of it with someone else leading the way. Now you have to come in with your own strategies while working around what the other person left for you. 100%. Well, we will see um, how this plays out short and long term because it will always affect the Leafs. Uh, let's move on to our hockey talk, my friends. Uh, there's been a whole lot of movement. Shana and I were nerding out about comparing how we pulled all the different moves from all the different teams um, over the offseason. And to be clear, we're only looking at offseason moves. There's obviously trades that were made at the trade deadline that are still impacting teams today in good and bad ways. But here's what I thought we'd do, y'all, is that we will go through the teams in the East. I will give you the team and a couple of the notable moves. And then we'll see if we can get this right. We're not always good at it. I will count to three. And then each of you will either say sell or buy. So I say three, two, one. And then you either say sell or buy. And both of you have to agree. Buy means you want to talk about the team. Sell means we don't need to talk about the team. We played this game how many times and we still can't do it right. Well, that's why I'm giving the instructions. It's hard. Today. I love it. I love it. I think it's so funny. You have to train <laughs> us someday. We'll get it. And then we're going to change the fucking rules. Today is not that day, but here we go. Are we ready? <laughs> okay. Yes. All right. Sarah, Sarah, you are very focused today and I am feeling this energy from um, you. I love it so much. It's very I'm tiled in, baby. I, I can tell. All right. Let's start with the Atlantic. We're going to go through the East today. Remember, it's... Three, two, one, buy or sell. You both have to agree. Buy means we want to talk about it. Sell means move on. All right, first up, Boston adds JVR, Morgan, Geeky, Shattenkirk, Lucic, and says goodbye to Krejci, Bergeron, and Taylor Hall. Bertuzzi, Orlov, Clifton, Hathaway, and Nick Foligno. Three, two, one. Bye. Okay. okay. We're talk really about quick. this we can go quick <laughs> yeah real go quick. Sarah go Sarah <laughs> I think they're going to be better than everybody thinks they well now everybody's saying that they think they're going to be better than everyone thinks they are so not maybe compared <laughs> to that but I think they aren't going to be that I mean you got David Pasternak he is the second most elite sniper in the league if you ask me Marchand still Marchand um they got a stacked defense they've got goaltending which is literally the most important thing, but I get terrified when I look at Charlie Corleal as one C like no offense, but it just is. There's nobody at center and I'm scared. Dana. That's yeah. 
That's exactly it. It's like we talked a lot about who has the best system in the league that players can step up in and just thrive. And it feels like the Bruins have had that for some time. They really built that up well. But like this is going to be a huge test for it because it's not one center you're missing. It's two. And we saw it in the playoffs, how they dealt with the Bergeron injury. But like this is a big deal. So I'm really interested to see how it goes. And like my hot take is I wonder if they trade a goalie for a center. And I don't think it's going to be Swayman. I kind of wonder if they go we could trade and sell high on Linus Allmark and try to bring a center back because it does feel like that's the one piece they're going to have to go out and get. Even if like Frederick slots at center, that's great and wonderful down the third line. But I think you need someone in the top six. Don Sweeney loves the midseason trade. So we'll see about that. All right. Next up, the Senators of Ottawa. Joining the team, the move that literally I saw him on the ice the other day, I was like, oh my God, I keep forgetting that he's now an Ottawa Senator. Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, Corpusalo heads there. And then leaving is Talbot and Debrinket. And of course, that mega extension for baby Sanderson. Three, two, one. Come on. That's a sell. We're moving on. If you can't decide, yeah, I get sell. to sell. Sorry, they're gonna get mad. Like, Sorry, Ottawa fans. We love you. It's, yeah, it's not even. It's like no, 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 no. We, I think we both think they're gonna be good. No, that's not what we're asking. But do what you do you want, want us to talk say? about? Then you no. say sell. No, we'll sell. <laughs> it's not about whether or not they're good. It's yeah, whether or not you want to talk true. about. Them. Yeah. Okay. See, again. Sorry. <laughs> the rules. <laughs> the rules. <laughs> We've been saying the same thing since Chitrin. Everyone's healthy now. They're gonna Chitrin. be good. Chitrin. Chitrin. Yes. Chicklets. I okay. never want to hear any shit about Leon Dreisidel ever again. Yeah, that's egregious because it's Armo. fucking Dreisidel. I mean, come on. That was the most egregious. I don't even know what I'm doing wrong still. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Who's the next team? Montreal Canadiens who bring in new hook say goodbye to Edmondson and Drouet and name a cap and not name a captain they had a captain excuse me everyone was hurt I forgot who played for them anymore um notable extension to Cole Caulfield three two one well so, good job guys. we love you America's sweetheart <laughs> I'm so proud of you good job okay moving on oh <sighs> The, the perennial Iser plan, Detroit Red Wings, they bring in Debrinket, Sprong, Comfort, Costin, Petrie, Gostespierre. They say goodbye to, I always forget which one's Kubalik and which one's Kubalik. Pius, Pius Suter is out. Philip Zadina is out. And they extend Debrinket. Three, two, one. Bye. Bye. Yay. Moritz Sider needs this to be his year. This needs to be his breakout year, in my opinion. I would love to see Larkin and Debrinket link up and be like hometown heroes. I do not want to see Patrick Kane sniff this team. Shana? Yeah, uh, I'm all about Mo Sider season. I think Jake Wallman was such a revelation last year. I want to see them for a full season together. Um, and I want to see like, I want to see them become like a household name, that pair. I feel like if anybody's going to be that franchise player on this team, it's cider. I don't think Larkin's that. I think he's like the tier mm-hmm. below it, but I want to see him thrive. Like I like him. I want to see Raymond step it up too. And I'm just kind of interested at what happens now. Like, is the defense going to be good enough for that goaltending? Are they going to have that scoring threat? Like there's so many things that went wrong last year that there's so much to fix. And it's going to be so interesting to see, do they have the franchise talent that they've been trying to find like all this time? Like it's, I feel like it's the make or break season officially for them. Well done, my friends. I don't know if we can get much better. Let's try again. The team that always strings us along, the Buffalo (laughs) Sabres. They bring in Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton, and no one leaves. Three, two, one. Bye. Bye. Well, that is a shocker to me. All right, Shayna, you go first. This is America's team. They are replacing the Edmonton Oilers. And we all <laughs> love the Sabres. We love them. We want Tajay to thrive. I want him to learn one ounce of defense, just the one. But like, I'm, I kind of like that they didn't go big and splashy and that they're going to, it's like a wait and see approach. That I think they can afford to have. I hope they don't kill Levi this year. That's the big thing. I think Johnson and Clifton kind of underwhelm me as additions, but I think that they bring the right, like if you look at like their micro stats, like the little things like, oh, good at puck retrievals, this and that, like it's shit that they're missing. So I feel like there's the potential there. I just am a little worried with the Jack Quinn injury, like how it's all going to come together. But I think we're going to really see like 
how the coaching staff shakes it. Like I like Don Granado so far. And I think this is going to be a big year for him to show like, Hey, we can teach defensive structure to this group. We can take a step forward. We focused on offense last year, an area we needed. And now it's about balancing out our game. And like, we have it in us to do it. Sarah, your thoughts on Tajay and crew. Yeah. I love Don Granado. And I know that people that play for him love him too. And there's nothing but praise on him. And I'm really glad that they stuck with him and that they are kind of sticking to the plan at this point, because you need a vote of confidence in your core at this point. And I've loved what Darlene has grown into. I think this is obviously a huge year for them. I saw a Pete Blackburn tweet last week that was like, is it really a big deal if the Sabres don't make the playoffs this year? Fucking yes, it is a big deal. And I'm really done with them this time if they don't make the playoffs. <laughs> so yes. All right, let's move on to Toronto. We already talked about the notable extension there curious case of new players joining the team you've got Bertuzzi Domi Reeves Klingberg and leaving they say goodbye to Achari Bunting Ryan O'Reilly Hole Shen and Kerfoot three two one bye bye it's, you guys have to do it at the same time I know. I'm going you can't do it off. just because she okay Sarah go ahead on Toronto of course, we have to talk about Toronto. What am I thinking? Of course. I know. I guess it's just time for them to actually address the sandpaper and see how much that actually, like, I guess the new GM walked in and was literally like, okay, I'm going to go in the direction that Dubas so, not stubbornly, but adamantly didn't want to go in and see if it makes a difference. And maybe it will. I mean, I love Bertuzzi on this team. And then the rest, it's just kind of like, oh, we'll see. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I still have question marks. Like, you got rid of Dubas, but you kept um, Sheldon Keefe a little bit. But, yeah. like, moving past that, the thing that sticks out to me is that the player with the longest term deal of this is Ryan Reeves. And I feel like <laughs> it might not sound like a lot, oh, that he got term and oh, that he got money. But the same, like, you can't afford to overpay players like him and David Camp. But, like, the Domi signing is interesting because that's someone who had the results last year, but has such shit underlying numbers, but it kind of feels like the Leafs are a perfect landing spot because they're the opposite. Mm -hmm. And the Bertuzzi signing, I think is such a home run. I love it's a one-year deal. I think it's great for him to pump up his value. I think he's exactly, he's a better version of bunting, I think. And I think it's exactly what this team needs. Like he can play that gritty sandpaper role, but he has so much skill that it's not like you're downgrading your lineup. Like that's to me for a a contender, like how you want to get harder to play against. 100%. Yeah, I was was intrigued they couldn't, the Boston situation seems to just be a little bit of a fumble with him, but here we are. But you got rid of Hall. Did we all assume like he's saying, right? Uh, listen, uh, the new GM is making a series of moves that I like. It's all very interesting to me. Oh, wait. Are, did you say Hall or Hall? Hall. Like when Boston got rid of Hall, I thought. Oh, he yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I thought we were talking about Toronto and Hall. Sorry. It's. No, see you. Bye. Yeah. They had enough. That's why I was confused. Yeah, no, no. Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Tampa Bay, the perennial team that seems to find a way to get rid of 18,000 players and still be competitive. However, showed some chinks in the armor last season, obviously falling out in the first round. In comes Connor Sheary, Glenn Denning, DeHaan, and Tyler Mott, leaving Killorn, Colton Cole, Perry Maroon, and Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Three, two... One. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> it's not an agreeable mood today. Shana, go. I want to see if they can keep doing it, right? Like, this this team has such an elite core. I really am curious if it's going to be another year of Victor Hedman. Like, we've seen it so many times. It's like, here, he had a mid-regular season. Then he's going to kill it in the playoffs for three rounds, four rounds, and be amazing. Like, he was really bad last year to his standards. And I don't know if it's aging. I don't know if it's the team support around him. I don't know if it's being hurt by McDonough leaving and Sergeyev not taking on the minutes. I have a lot of questions for them. And it just, you have to wonder if like all the additions are going to start building up on them because it doesn't feel like they have a ton of prospects and it's like, it's the cost of contending. And I think they went about it the right way, but is this just inevitable? Like it could be, they're still going to be good. It's just, you know, a little bit more pressure clock ticking, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it feels kind of over to me and it's literally fine. Like, I I think they're going to bow out as gracefully as possible with Vasilevsky. I mean, as gracefully as possible. I don't know. Did you see this? Vasilevsky is, well, he hasn't been practicing. Didn't they say they're managing his workload better? 
Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. yeah, but like he hasn't been practicing. So well, we'll never see. mind. And then I was going to say Stamkos, the drama with that, yes. they're okay to let him go. I'm like, all right, they want it to be over, I guess. I have no idea what's going on there. That, but that's such bad a, vibes. It's the smart move, though, for them when they have yeah. no flexibility to not hand out a contract. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, he's still worth, they could sign him to keep his cap hit, right? Go, here's 8.5 again for three years. And I would look at that and go, great contract for the player, for the team. It makes all the sense in the world. But, like, the context of their cap situation is, like, you can't do that. And I think the Kopitar contract is kind of screwing the situation up. If Kopitar didn't get the year early extension, I don't know if we'd be talking about it for Stamkos as much. 100%. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. But I also like, I don't know. I also, like, if they he lost their whole st- fourth line. Like, that's crazy. Well, they lost their whole third line. What? And th- three years ago. Like, I don't know. True. It seems like this time is really the time. Yeah. I mean, especially after how last year ended. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do I know? Um, all right. Florida lose to last year. Can we talk about that? Oh, here we go. <laughs> last team in the Atlantic that we have yet to talk about, and that is the Florida Panthers. They bring in Kulikov, OEL, Mikola, Lorenz, and Rodriguez, and say goodbye, interestingly, to Declare and Gudas. Three, two, one. Sell. Yeah, sell. Wow. Good job, Sarah. Okay. That's our Atlantic preview. <laughs> too many men's style um as far as we go from here now into the metro same rules same process new teams let's start with how does this affect the former leafs and the pittsburgh penguins with a new pohop president of hockey operations who also just decided he should be gm as well for now <laughs> um pittsburgh penguins bring in riley smith graves achari eller nieto and of course eric carlson Zucker, oh, excuse me, and say goodbye to Zucker, Kulikov, Dumoulin, Granlund, and Bonino, Bonino, Bonino. Three, two, one. Bye. I, Sarah? I think that so many additions here are underrated, not just Carlson. Like, we're all obviously talking about Carlson, but I think Riley Smith stands out as something that was like, they were really able to replace the players that they had to get rid of. I Love Brian Dumoulin, know him from Boston College. But I I think it was probably time to just kind of end this gracefully. He's been there for so many good moments, and it was just time. Um, Bonino, also time. Like, glad they brought him back, but it's over. Um, I love Nola Chari as on any fourth line. I think that's always wonderful. And Carlson, there's no reason why he would slow down. I think it said a lot, or it said something, that he picked the Penguins. It didn't say a ton, because I don't know, it was that or Carolina and maybe he didn't want to play with Burns because he already did wonder about that. I don't know. Controversy. But he picked the Penguins. Sidney Crosby shows no signs of slowing down. Um, he is still the same old Sid. And if anything, there's just so much more. There's the pressure of them having one more like him. Um, fucking. Oh, my God. Malkin, Malkin and Latang, uh, their yeah. 18th season together. And Carlson now also not having won a cup to get that done altogether. But I don't like Kristen Jari, so. And they extended him, so we'll see. Yeah, Shana? that's not good. I don't know who else they could have picked besides Jari, and that's the problem. Like, I don't love the contract. I feel like it'll be fine the regular season if he stays healthy, but he's just not someone who, like, rises to the occasion when they need him to. But like you, I love the Riley Smith edition. I think he's gonna be really good for their penalty kill. I think he's such a good two-way winger, like totally fine with that one. Um, I think Ryan Graves is gonna be really good there. He was really mm-hmm. good with the Devils. He played well with John Marino. I think he's gonna thrive under Mike Sullivan. Um, <laughs> but like the Carlson trade, everything about it. I I love him in Pittsburgh. I feel like it's such a good fit. And like I know some people are like, well, why do you think his season's repeatable? That was a fluke year, blah blah blah. It was lucky and shit like that. Like, I feel like we've heard that. We saw Carlson finally come into the season healthy, off-season training, everything, not rehabbing an injury, and you see what can happen with nobody around him. He was the offensive driver. He was everything and more that he could have ever wanted to be with, like, little to no support. So now he's going to cook with a team like this. Like, yeah, maybe it'll get weird with the Latang power play usage, but I, I just think this team put themselves in a good position to contend and get back to the playoffs. Oh my God, Patrick Wine just followed me on Instagram. Hey, Patrick, friend of the podcast. Oh, podcast. There's an He's Easter ready for the here. outfits this year. Let's go. <laughs> he should come on the pod and talk about his cooking. 
Did and you see the closed. Fantilli quote with oh, the yeah. heat air fried oh, steak? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> the it's one so minute good. rice. It's so good. I'm liking these young guys. Connor, okay. We'll talk about Connor Bedard in a minute or next week. No, next week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> All right. That, yeah, that was hilarious, by the way, the Connor Bedard interview. Okay. See? Mm-hmm. Keeps you hanging. That's what we call in the biz a teaser, my friends. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the rebuilding Philadelphia Flyers. I, I'm, they added people. They removed people. Three, two, one. Sell. We'll talk about torts enough in the year. We love them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. Moving on down to another team that may surprisingly be in the beginning of the end of this era for them. The Washington Capitals bring in Pacioretty Edmondson and a new coach and send out Shiri and Brown extending Tom Wilson, which I get his value to this team, but that was a lot of time for a player at that age. Three two one bye okay bye no 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 we can get rid of them that is fine move on we move on that's the rules good job though good job on the timing i'm proud of you we're getting back (laughs) the carolina hurricanes the team that we keep expecting to be dominating and then somehow they stumble in the postseason um bringing in Orlov and Bunting and getting rid of Gostaspare and Pacioretty, who unfortunately got so broken last year, um, extending Stahl and Ajo a year early. Three, two, one. Sell. Yeah, I was going to sell too, but I wanted you to go first if you wanted to talk about him. <laughs> okay. No. All uh, I have to say the- is Rod Brindamore's son is- I saw this. Yeah, he's making his preseason NHL debut. It's highly likely at Wednesday on Wednesday versus the Hurricanes at PNC Arena. So, congrats to the Brindamores, maybe if it happens. If not, that sucks. <laughs> okay, that's really cute. I love that. I love mm-hmm. I, that's the fun of preseason. There's moments like that get to happen. Mm-hmm. All right, New Jersey Devils bringing into Foley and Colin Miller saying goodbye to Damon Severson, Graves, Sharon Govich, Tatar, Wood, and Blackwood extending. Meyer and Brat. Three, two, one. Bye. Bye. Sarah's going to get DQ'd if she doesn't say this until after Shana says her vote. Okay, Shana, next go, time I'll be on top of it. Shana, go ahead on the Devils. Um, My favorite team. I, I think they crushed <laughs> it this offseason, like, in every which way. And I love how much work they got done before free agency. And I think that's kind of what other teams should be, like, taking note of. Um. Like, I understand losing Severson, getting a pick back from great work there, losing Graves. It makes sense because they know they have players like Lukus and Nemich. And I think that the way that they are building out their roster, like they have a really good top nine now. And, you know, their defense, they think because of like their playing style, like the young players can step in. And then you have the balance of the entry level contracts versus the big deals. And it feels like in goal, they kind of added by subtraction, right? By just not going with Blackwood. And they left themselves space to upgrade in net if necessary, but I don't think it will be. Like, I think Schmid is going to be like the guy for them. So for me, all of this kind of clicks and I want to see how it works out because I think there's a lot to learn here. You know, if you're trying to contend, how do you, ex- you know, extend your window? How do you build your window before it even starts like and plan for the future in the way that they did? I think it's going to be a really cost-effective like next couple of years for them as a result. So I, I like everything there. Sarah? I just think it's adorable that it started out like sarcastically being Shayna's favorite team. And now like she really <laughs> is invested and loves them. Like I do think they made a lot of smart decisions. They you were they knew that you were watching. And yeah, they, they know yes, I'm watching. Yes, They're yes. trying to give me reason to write about them when mm-hmm. I actually don't have to anymore. Yeah. They're like, hey. They're not Shayna's favorite team. Shayna's their favorite writer and they just want to impress mm-hmm. her. That's yeah. what it was. There it is. Yes, it is. It, listen, I, it is a nice, tidy bit of work that they've been doing building over these past few years. That's that's fun to see, yeah. in my opinion. And they continued that work on this offseason. Like, there's nothing that hasn't been said about them, but it just is so primed for a great postseason this season. 100%. All right. I'm going to read the notes on this next one verbatim because it makes me laugh. Our next team, the Islanders of New York. Who they brought in, LOL, no one, out Bailey and Parise, um, extending Mayfield and Engvall and Sorokin. Three, two, one. Bye. Bye. I 
I think that Lou Lamorello has a point for once. I like when he's like, everyone's too expensive. That kind of is true right now. It was a weird off season. Free agent sucked. Um, what did you want him to do? But Horvat's going to be back. Matt Barzell shaved his head. I think it's time to see what they're made of. It's broken. It's broken. Um, yeah, I think the Bailey had to be like end of an error kind of there, but I just, I, I think Barzell and Horvat are going to absolutely cook together. And it sucks for the Islanders that they only got six games of seeing it. It was like 90 minutes of five on five ice time. And when you start digging into it, you see how good everything was like Horvat wasn't finishing his chances with the Islanders as much. And there's some sustainability issues to his goal scoring from his career, but there's some that are really promising. Like the fact that the quality of his shots and scoring chances were really at their best in all of his minutes throughout the entire year when he was with Barzell. So it kind of tells you like maybe that, there's a good idea there between their passing and shooting. But for me, I just look at it and I'm like seven years to Engvall and Mayfield. They could have traded. They should have traded Mayfield two years ago. I know he's tough to play against and can go for the long playoff runs. But I just look at that and I'm like, we don't need to do this, Lou. But I get it. He doesn't give a shit because in a couple of years, the team's not going to be his problem. And his poor son is probably going to have to clean up his mess. So good luck, Chris, when that happens. All right, let's hit the last of the tri-cities area and that is the rangers of new york in gustafson blake wheeler jonathan quick bonino and of course as we discussed towards the end of last season a new coach in laviolette tarasenko says goodbye as does kane and halak and jared gallant three two one so moving on Final Metro team. We gave a little shout out to them already. Patrick Line is just pissed that we didn't have them earlier in the list. Apparently he had to trigger us to remember <laughs> to talk about them. Potentially the blue jackets you may have heard made a coaching change. So they have a new coach in Pascal Vincent Vincent um, after the other new coach that they thought they should have had. And we all knew they were wrong, um, but they also add Damon Severson, Ivan Provorov and through the draft, Adam Fantilli three, Two, one. Bye. Bye. Convincing Shana. One of some of your best work. Sarah, go <laughs> ahead on your new favorite team. Well, God, I know. I, I do think a moment like Babcock, obviously none of these players assigned Babcock the role of head coach. And you do have to think about that when you think about what they go through when shit like that goes down. And I do think it's kind of like the Mitchell Miller signing in Boston where it's not under your control, but you speak out against it. And then the locker room grows stronger and gets kind of the, the guy out of there. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I'm loving Fantilli's like little quips. And I think he might be, I know it's like so stupid to call a top five draft pick underrated, but I do think obviously Bedard is getting the, um, attention, uh, rightfully so, but I think Fantilli would be the talk of the town if it wasn't Bedard year. And I'm really excited to see what he'll do with kind of an open slate on this team. Dana? Yeah, it feels like there's all the room in the world down the middle for someone like Fantilli to thrive mm -hmm. or Kent Johnson or Cole Sillinger. So, you know, hopefully now the young players are in a better position than they would have been had things not changed. Uh, the defense, I think, was built a little bit for Babcock. And I know like when we did the previews, I wrote something about like, well, Severson and Provorov saved the defense. Someone's was like, oh, well, they didn't make those moves, you know, until after Babcock was hired. But I'm pretty sure at that point they knew he was going to be there. Like it was yeah. just not official yeah. that hiring. And it just felt like, especially Provorov, like that was someone who stylistically was brought in to be that defensive workhorse that, you know, Babcock tries to lean on. I think the defense is going to be better. I don't think it's going to be superstar caliber. I hope Elvis has a bounce back year though. Like he's the mm -hmm. one to watch for me in Columbus. Cause I think everything's going to kind of hinge on him. I think Wierenski going to be awesome. great if he's healthy. Yeah. I think Johnny Gaudreau and Lina are going to be fine. It's Ken yeah. Elvis bounce back. Cause I feel like it's been so all over the place. According to Aaron Port's line, Elvis just said, they've doubted me and I'm going to show them that they're fucking wrong. Hell yeah. Hell okay. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go, Elvis. There's That's actually, that's from a good piece. I read that as well, Sarah. Aaron Portsline put that up on The Athletic, um, I believe today. And it's a uh, quick mm -hmm. Q&A with Elvis, but he is he is back in peak <laughs> Elvis form. Um, it's a good read. I, I highly recommend. And I would also say um, Fantilli is exciting to watch. And it 
it's the preseason. Who knows? Columbus has had some of the best lines in preseason that never see the light of the day in the regular season. But uh, Adam Fantilli and Patrick Laine not only seem to have chemistry off the ice, on the ice, too. They've had they've been setting up some pretty nice plays for each other. So that's something to watch. All right. That was our whirlwind trip through the East in just about 30 minutes or less. But we are not done because we end every show with our favorite game. And we've said this all along, y'all, but we really want to hear your nominations for Fuck, Mary Kill. It's time for that favorite game. So send those in to us on social and we will review them and hopefully get them in. We are delighted to have today's, this episode's game brought to you courtesy of Devin Redlich on, on Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter. I will never call it anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, here we go. It's quite an interesting little thought piece. It's not pretty straight cut. So Sarah, I'm going to have you go first. Are you ready? As ready as I'll ever be. Here we go. You're granted a new NHL franchise and you're allowed to steal one of the following from any existing franchise. So you don't have to mm-hmm. name the exact target, but here's the 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 category. You ready? Mm-hmm. Fuck Mary Kill, City, Management Team, Star Power. Go. All right. We are going to Vegas. I'm sorry. I love that no, no. city. You have to oh. you, you you don't oh. pick one. You fuck Mary Kill. Oh. Which of the three elements you would take? Oh, I interpreted this wrong. Okay. Um I am going to marry Star Power because I do think like if you build it, they will come. And I do think that's probably like starting yourself off on easy mode. I'm going to Fuck city, because how do you attract star power, first of all? Second of all, how do you make sure your friend, like, honestly, how does a franchise survive through thick and thin? If you're in a popular city, in a city that likes hockey, you're way more likely to survive. And I'm going to kill management because you can always change them. I love it. (laughs) Shayna, your turn. I'm going to agree. I'm going to kill management. I think that there are so many untapped minds in front offices uh, in smaller roles. I think there are people outside of NHL front offices that are worth investing in that we need some fresh blood. And I think that's the way to start it from scratch to make it interesting. I'll fuck the idea of the city because I think there are untapped hockey markets. Like we were talking about Atlanta going back there or Salt Lake City. And I think they bring a lot of intrigue. But there's some cities too that I could see the appeal of wanting to steal that like Seattle, like nashville you know there's without it necessarily even being the most traditional cities i think that there's potential like if you could start a hockey team in minnesota you're going to take that opportunity to do so because you know it's going to be like an instant hit um and then marry star power that's what you want to have whether it's an established star like a mccarr a kachuk a mcdavid a mckinnon that's who you're building around or someone like Connor bedard who is you know you're starting from the ground up you get the first overall pick and that's what you're stealing like I think that's great to have. And we saw it with a team like Vegas go, we need the flurries, you know, of the world, because one, he's going to bring a skill to, mm-hmm. he's going to be the face of the franchise and he's going to add some legitimacy to, to day one. He's going to attract fans and, you know, generate interest because he has a personality. So I think that's the thing that you always want to have at your fingertips. All right. I am not doing this to be different. This was literally what I decided already. And Shana, you almost convinced me, but not enough. Here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to marry star power, not just for all the reasons you guys said, but it's the hardest thing to acquire organically. And we talk about this time and time again, that to get truly elite star power, you have to tank and hope you get a number one or number two spot, maybe a number three in the draft. And as an expansion team, if you can surpass that pain and go straight to having star power on your roster, I think you're literally a decade, if not longer ahead Um, So I'm going to marry that. I am actually going to kill city because I think honestly, that if you're, if you have a market that just financially can sustain a pro sports team, I think you're going to be okay. Cause if you're winning, people are going to want to come see it anyway. Um, And therefore I will fuck management team because I wholeheartedly agree with your point, Shana, that I don't want to recycle same old, same old, but I do think we're starting to see some front offices and obviously I'm biased with the one in Seattle, but I think we're starting to see some that would be enviable and really smart to just pick up and take with you um, to start a new team. So 
there you go. All right, my oh. friends, that is our episode for this week. As always, we appreciate you following us along, both in listening, but also on the social media networks. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We are also on Blue Sky. Find us there. It's two underscore much underscore man on Twitter and IG and two hyphen much hyphen man on blue sky if you would like to support us in your apparel you can buy mugs shirts t-shirts hats books twitch cases what switch cases whatever you want at too many men merch.com please be sure to check out our latest line which is friend of the pod merch we love it you should love it too um and remember that all of that money turns right around it does not stay with us it goes back uh, to sources and organizations that do what we're asking you to do as we leave today and that's do something no matter how big or small to make sure that hockey truly is for everybody we will talk to you guys soon love you bye